Welcome to the Autism and Neurodiversity Podcast. We're here to bring you helpful information from leading experts and give you effective tools and support. I'm Jason Grigla, a licensed counselor and founder of Techie for Life, a specialized mentoring program for neurodiverse young adults. And I'm Debbie Grigla, a certified life coach. And maybe most importantly, we're also parents to our own atypical young adults. Hello and welcome to the Autism and Neurodiversity Podcast. This is Jason Grigla, and I'm going to be speaking to you today about something that I am a passionate explorer and researcher about, and especially this time of year, because we happen to be in the holidays, we're going to talk about joy. And it is such a nebulous word. We know it means to feel good. And at the same time, there's a lot of confusion and there's a whole lot of research and specifics about this topic that I would like to share today. I think I could speak for hours and hours on this topic because it's so important to feel good. We are naturally hardwired to want to feel good. And so the things I'm going to share today, they come from my experience of being a juvenile probation officer, um, working in the the juvenile detention center. Um, When I became a therapist, I did a ton of work with addiction issues, including a lot of sexual addiction issues where I learned a lot about intimacy and attachment. And as a foster parent, I learned a ton about attachment as well, which has everything to do with the joy. With joy, we'll talk about that in a minute. I also did a lot of work with people who had been traumatized, abused, neglected, deprived in their lives. And they have an especially important hard time finding joy. And addicts recovering have a hard time finding joy. And so it became really important for me to research it and learn all about it. And the first thing I want to tell you is that happiness and joy are different. Happiness comes from the same root word as the word happenings or to happen, happenstance. It means an action and something that we are doing, something that we can choose to directly control. So happiness is actually the same word as pleasure. And they're not, it's, pleasure is not a bad thing. It's a great thing. I think it's awesome to be happy and feel pleasure. For example, I can say that I'm happy doing this podcast because I love to teach and it brings me a ple- it brings me pleasure to be here today teaching and they're the same they're the same thing. It it does make me feel good. So anything that we can do that makes us feel good becomes a pleasure that brings happiness. And that is not joy. So happiness specifically is temporary it's brought about by things we can control. Someone who's someone who is playing soccer is happy while they're busy. Um, for me, in my younger days, I was highly insecure, and I had I I didn't have a great self esteem or sense of self worth, and I was always busy, 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 going, 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 doing, 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 so that I could feel good. Because if I stopped doing pleasurable things like service even, um, or having fun or playing or communicating with others. If I wasn't busy, I didn't know how to be. I didn't know how to feel. So I stayed busy doing, and that 
that is something we refer to as being a human doing instead of a human being. Joy, on the other hand, is very specifically about connections, attachments, intimacy, relationships. And the difference is that joy is sustainable and ongoing even when you're not busy doing the thing. For example, if I play a soccer game and it's a lot of fun and I'm taking a lot of pleasure in it and I'm happy doing it, when I'm all done and I'm sitting with myself and I think, um, how did I treat others? Was I respectful? Did I Was I on my, on my best game? And I'm connecting with the experience and I'm being present with who I was, not just what I did, but how I was, then I would have a sense of joy because my relationship with myself actually increases. Um, and it's it's not as intense. Joy isn't loud or bombastic. Happiness and pleasure can be. Um, but joy is something that can be piercingly subtle and emotional and heartfelt. Um, another thing about happiness and pleasures, the problem is they don't they don't work long term. They're not sustainable. Otherwise, I'd be good with just having pleasure all the time because I just want to feel good. And all addictions, for example, are confused attempts to control a very valid, healthy human desire to feel good. So the problem is happiness and pleasures have this law of decreasing returns where after the first bite of ice cream, you know, the 20th or 30th bite of ice cream isn't nearly as good. You know, the first marshmallow on a camp out is awesome and nostalgic, but then after like four, you're going to throw up maybe. And, and so all pleasures, um, whether it's food or sex or sleeping or activities, after a while, they lose their feel good and it takes a while to reset. I love pleasure and happiness if it is meant to invest into having joy, invest into relationships, intimacy, um, connection, attachment. For example, in a, in a healthy relationship where it's a romantic physical relationship, having sex can be highly pleasurable and when you're done with the act of sex, then you either maintain a sense of joy and connection and attachment, or you were just in it for the feel good and the pleasure and you end up more numb and more empty because of the intensity of the pleasure and no sustainable attachments. Your relationship, if so, if you go out and pick somebody up and you just have um, wild sex, yeah, when it's done, it was pleasurable maybe, but it, at the same time, there isn't the relationship to sustain it. And that's that's an example of how married couples who've been married for 20, 30, 40, 50 years can continue to increase their joy and also still take pleasure in physical sexual relationships. It's because it's, it's actually sustained by the joy accompanied to the sex or to the physical pleasure side of it. So joy is, it's nebulous. It's hard to grab. You can't control it directly. From what I've learned, all we can do is create an environment where we have it. So joy is specifically from relationships. And there's three areas that we look at for those relationships. One, and the first we have to look at is our relationship with ourself. Not because we're narcissistic or selfish, but because if we don't have a, a decent, healthy relationship with ourself, 
we don't allow ourselves to attach, connect, um, or be close to others. And when someone wants to love us or give us appreciation or gratitude, um, many Christians say, you know, I'm not going to let, I, I don't let God love me because I, I don't feel lovable or worthy of that love yet. So in a sense, we have to love ourselves enough to know that we are worthy of others' love, or at least respect others enough to allow them to love us if they choose to. Whether we are worthy of it or not is not our choice. It's their choice to make if someone wants to give us that that love and um, affection. So relationships is all about attachment, connection, and intimacy. So intimacy is very specific. It requires, and this is where attachment comes. So there's a, there's a couple parts to it, but intimacy is close, personal, safe, um, familiar, vulnerable, respectful, charitable, charitable, and typically is accompanied with em empathy. And that's a very risky place because if you allow someone to get close to you, that's the only way we can have that joy that comes from attachments and relationships. At the same time, the risk is that we can lose that relationship and go through a lot of pain and sorrow and maybe even suffering um, if something goes really wrong. So, you know, joy is risky, whereas there's not much downside to pleasures um, except for the addiction side, which actually often happens. When someone has lived a life that's hard and they go through traumas, abuses, neglects, there's a tendency to disconnect from emotions so that we don't have to feel pain. And not feeling pain feels better than allowing the pain to come. But the problem is if you're numb to pain, you're also numb to other emotions. And joy is an emotion, whereas pleasure is more of a sensation. It's a feeling. Yes, it's chemicals. And some could argue that, yeah, joy is chemicals as well. But they're both achieved in separate scenarios. So when we talk about relationships, that relationship with ourself needs to be there first, and then our relationship with others um, is really important. And some people crave more social and connection. Some crave lots of connections. Some crave only a few. All of our personalities are different. When it comes to neurodivergence, those who have atypical brains, their social and emotional needs are exactly the same as everyone else's. They they often get uh, the reputation of not being social, introverted, not needing as much connection. I think there might be some truth to that, but from what I understand from my own experience, a lot of them have decided that they don't want connection or relationships due to the fact that the risk is there, the hurt is there, um, the failures, um, some of the traumas from being left out, bullied, uh, made fun of. They, they just decided that relationships aren't worth it, so I must not need it, and they work really hard. Um, so many of them do need the same social, emotional connections um, as neurotypicals. Uh, they've just been through a hard life. Others, maybe they're good with just a few attachments, and that's enough for them. And that's fine. Not everyone needs to be as social as others, but everyone needs attachments. That is a trait that every human shares. Um, all mammals share that trait to some extent. So 
the thing with joy is you can't do it alone. It doesn't work all by yourself. Um, I've had lots of clients who have tried to live a completely solo life and they've convinced themselves that they, they don't need relationships, um, but they're either depressed um, or they are sociopaths, which is actually really rare. Uh, I think I've only had one in my 20 plus years of therapy. Um, and then lastly, I realized that, yeah, they, they've been living alone for 20 years and they say they don't need relationships, but they've got five cats and two dogs or, or 15 dogs and a cat, or they've got relationships with animals or their activities to keep them busy. Um, they might be happy. And if they have attachments to pets, then they also have joy because I think pets can have a relationship. Um, I, there's nothing like a dog that just gives, 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 right? They, they just love us unconditionally. And that is a very safe place to be vulnerable, familiar, personal, close, respectful, and charitable. And that's what intimacy requires. Cats, not so much. You can love a cat. Um, maybe they love back, but it's a little different. I'm not much of a cat person. Yes, I know cats can be wonderful and my daughter loves cats, but so to have joy, we can't do joy. You can't just force joy. We can choose to change our thinking and our understanding of what joy is so that we can create the environment where we, we have joy or receive joy. Our hearts feel joy. Um, and the, the main approach that I would start with is learn to be a human being, not a human doing, being present and emotional. Let me give you an example. One of the easiest ways to experience joy is by having or receiving genuine gratitude and appreciation. When someone says, thank you so much, I really appreciate that. Um, first, it requires you to have actually done something that was worth appreciating. And second, it requires you to allow yourself to feel good when someone gives you the appreciation and not say, oh, no, 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 I, I, it's fine. I, I just do it for everyone. No, you're, you're fine and not be able to sit with it. And that would be a really sad loss of an opportunity to have joy. And also by showing gratitude and saying thank you with your heart, there's an immediate vulnerable connection that comes from appreciation and gratitude. Um, so that's one thing you can do to have more joy in your life. Um, the other one is obviously build relationships um, with others. Um, anyone can choose the action of saying thank you or being busy with friends. So, you know, you can be out, you can even be the, the clown in the middle of the party in the life of the party, but be lonely all the time. I've heard sex addicts describe it that way where they were busy, 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 and they were human doings, but they could not have human intimacy or contact very well. And they kept trying to do sex instead of experience the joy that comes from attachments. So instead of the, the third thing would be instead of seeking to always feel good, we can choose to feel deeply, bravely, and honestly. I think it was Brene Brown that talks all about intimacy and vulnerability. And I love her work. She's exactly right. It fits perfectly with what I'm talking about today and joy. So allowing yourself to feel and be connected to your heart requires you to also experience equally and proportionally deep sorrow. So if you love your child completely, 
then when they are in pain and hurting, you are in pain and hurting. And when they are rejoicing and happy, then we are rejoicing and happy. And um, when we lose them and they turn their backs on us and reject us, then we we have loss. Um, it doesn't mean we just get into our heads and be a robot and say, well, that's their loss. I'm done. I don't care. What do I care? You know, that's all a lie. We have to actually feel and sit. Um, being healthy doesn't mean crashing and burning. I want to talk about what happens after we have been human doings too much. Um, for for women, a lot of my clients have had obsessive compulsive seeking out of feeling good through sleep, food, extramarital relationships, workaholism, servaholism, um, churchaholism. So those are some of the common ones there. For men, workaholism is a big one, maybe sex addiction. Um, chemicals are both male and female quite a bit with alcohol and prescription drugs. Illicit drugs tend to be more male. Um, but either way, any of those situations where we can control an action to bring feel good or pleasure ends in dependence on that substance to feel good. And we have to continue to increase that feel good to keep having the same amount of feel good. In the end, you know, the cocaine addict or the heroin addict is saying, I, I have to shoot up just to avoid being in hell. Um, at first, I loved it because I was hurting and I needed something to make me feel like I was flying. And now I need it just to feel like I can breathe. And so the ability of it to make you feel good leaves. And so when we are intentional about our lives, when we are mature and responsible and we have perspective and wisdom and we practice we can learn to have a connected emotional heart so that we don't have to just rely on pleasures to feel good. And that state of being where we have depth of joy and depth of sorrow always is accompanied with a sense of peace. And peace, that's a whole different ballgame. Um, religions call it several different things. It's being in a state of okayness. Um, it's sometimes, sometimes it's called serenity in the 12 steps. Sometimes it's called contentment. Others refer, refer to it in the Eastern religions as a state of nirvana to be in that state of healthy, emotional and mental balance takes a lot of practice, a lot of work, a lot of self-control, a lot of wisdom to be in that mindset. I, I rarely find somebody who is impulsively, um, pleasure seeking. They have they have a hard time sitting still and being able to be at peace. But it it really requires work, practice, intentionalism, wisdom, self control, a healed heart, so that we can feel, um, and bravery to have peace consistently because of the risks that is, that are involved in it. It takes being able to have healthy relationships, and so a great example would be children when they're young. They give their whole heart, their whole hearts easily and quickly. They are so grateful and appreciative. Um, if they say thank you, they mean it with all their heart. If they laugh, they laugh with their whole heart. If they cry, they cry with their whole heart. If they're mad, it's their whole heart. And that wholeheartedness is lost sometimes as we go through life. And I think all of us into our late teens and, and adult years have been somewhat hardened and disconnected emotionally. And I think a part of our responsibility and journey um, for us as individuals is to reconnect 
to our soft-heartedness, our tenderness, to be able to feel deeply again so that we aren't just human doings. So when it comes to joy, pleasures and things that make us happy can absolutely build relationships. I, I love playing sports if they're social, like mountain biking with friends is so much fun because I'm connecting. It's not the mountain biking. That's just the, the vehicle. So pleasures are good. But if all I can do is be busy all the time and I can't ever get to that level of joy, then I'm missing out. And so ultimately, my goal is no longer to seek for joy, although I want it. It's to seek for peace and balance, contentment, and being okay. So that when the joy comes, I can feel it and I don't have to avoid the pain, physical, emotional, or otherwise. Um, if I'm okay, I can handle the good and the bad and I don't have to be numb. And that's that's required to have joy. So I I love that in hard times, instead of trying to make myself comfortable, um, like many who are in crises, and oftentimes those who are going through their their age 10 to 30 range of being neurodivergent, they're going through crises and they're disconnected from themselves. They're just trying to survive. There's not a lot of great feel good sometimes. You know, those those situations require us to not be comfortable, although that's what we think we want. What I've learned is that we seek to comfort or to be comforted. That's relational. To be comforted, even when there's a pain and suffering, is a healthy, higher level feel good that is sustainable. And even when someone's heart is breaking from, for example, the, the death of a loved one that sorrow and that loss, if we are at peace and we can stay okay, we will have joy very quickly associated with the memory of that loved one instead of just despair and crises. I want to talk about depression for a second because it's the opposite of joy. Someone who is obsessively, compulsively um, pleasure-seeking, whether their addictions or not doesn't really matter, they have a tendency of being highly depressed because they can't sustain controlled behaviors to make us feel good anymore. And depression for me, isn't when we feel really bad because that could be sorrow as well. A deep heartfelt, healthy sorrow is not a bad thing. Depression is the absence of healthy emotions. Depression is despair, hopelessness, stuckness. That's where we've quit and given up and we are utterly alone. Uh, there's no being comforted in despair, but when there's healthy sorrow, we can be comforted and have peace because I'm okay and things are going to be okay, even if I feel like it's the worst thing in the world to have happened and it's maybe inconceivable. And I think all of us lose our sense of peace or our peace of mind, our contentment, our balance, our serenity at times um, when, when our own actions or those around us grab them and take them away. Our job and our goal is to get that back. And the solution is connections, relationships, gratitude, um, comforting others, being comforted. And during this during this time of year, my my hope is that you will start to think in terms of am I wanting to just feel good because I might get lost in alcohol, drinking, food, Busyness, gifts, purchasing, shopping, receiving gifts. 
that really is the opposite of the spirit of Christmas, which is all about connection and peace and joy and sustainable feel good that is so much more um, worth it. It's deeper, it's sustainable, it's piercing to the core to have and be loved. And I hope that's your goal this this time of year and on all times of the year is to enjoy and be present with others. And I I hope that that can be a shift in your thinking. If you're going to have a task list of things to do, instead of being a human doing, have your task list look like, what do I want to be? How do I, how do I want to be? Instead of what do I need to do? Who can I connect with? Who can I be aware of? Um, how do I get out of my own head, my own problems, and maybe lift others if they're in pain? And that service and that connection is what brings us that contentment and that higher level feel good that we all want. I hope that's helpful today. I know that that's fairly philosophical and not as practical as maybe some of our podcasts. And at the same time, there is nothing better than a hug from one of my children who are genuinely grateful and say, I love you. Thank you. I'm so glad you're my dad. My heart just melts. And that is worth a thousand times my favorite ice cream when I'm feeling down or depressed. So have a great week. And we have some other great podcasts coming up soon. Some other great um, interviews to be done. I'm excited to be a part of this journey with you. So thank you. And we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Autism and Neurodiversity with Jason and Debbie. If you want to learn more about our work, come visit us at jasondebbie.com. That's J-A-S-O-N-D-E-B-B-I-E.com. E.com.